The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. It is another week. It's another month, new month, September already. Uh, crazy how time, uh, I can't say time's flying, but it's its literally flying. It's its unbelievable. It's probably been the longest and the shortest six months in history. Uh, and uh, we keep moving forward. And uh, we got a couple big announcements and fun today. We've got a great, great topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about the purpose-driven culture. And there's certainly a lot of I would say interest is probably too dull, too tame of a word uh, related to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, especially over the last, uh, we've heard a lot about uh, purpose, uh, purposeful uh, leadership, uh, purpose-driven cultures. Uh, and, uh, but I think a lot of people and organizations, individuals and organizations have been reflecting quite a bit uh, since the pandemic hit, uh, since the beginning of the year. And uh, so we, we've got a great guest, Elizabeth Letardo, uh, will be joining us. Uh, and uh, I know this will be a favorite topic with Keith uh, because her latest book was Selling with a Noble Purpose. So imagine that, having a purpose and also making sales and profit. So uh, that'll be pretty good. What do you think, Keith? Uh, I mean, can it get any better than that trifecta? Sales, profit, and purpose? I mean, I'm here. I'm excited. This is this is it. This is it. But I think we've got some news to talk about, right? Don't we? You and I have something to tell our listening audience. Yeah, we're going to have to get dressed up from now on, right? (laughs) Going to make me shave on Wednesdays. I can't believe it. Hey, you know, you you got that Gen X look. So you, you can get away with that now, but the, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure how dressed we're going to be, but uh, you know, I still may have my shorts on, but we'll look good from the desk up. Uh, but we will be going live after uh, almost two years, uh, 110 or so podcasts uh, on the radio W4CY. We will be going to Talk for TV. So we will be doing that's the name of it, Talk the Number Four TV. Uh, We will be live on TV and we will be broadcasting live on the radio. We'll still be on W4CY. If you can't uh, watch us, you can still listen and everything will still be delivered as a podcast. So for those who are subscribing, but now you'll be able to subscribe on YouTube as well. So that'll be exciting. We got to, and so a lot of the things that we talk about, we'll be able to, um, actually show. So I've been busy this week creating a bunch of videos. Some of them, you might have seen those on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. And uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be fun. And we got a great guest next week, too. Uh, somebody I met on another panel, uh, Victor Assad. 
And Victor's got quite a background. Uh, he worked in the metal device, medical device industry for years uh, in Medtronics, uh, but a big, big proponent of one of my favorite subjects, which is uh, data, <laughs> uh, data literacy, and yours as well, ROI. Um, Absolutely. You know, so we're, next week we're going to be talking about HR uh, data literacy, and uh, it, it's and he really, really, really knows his stuff. Um, and you know uh, what so else? it'll be a great conversation. You know what else, Ira? Me and Mike Farber over at the ROI shop are putting together SalesCast. And I'm talking to some pretty cool people over in the sales side of the world. And uh, I, I can't help but, you know, bring up the future of work and, and talk. So I think with the new format, we're going to see some more, some really good names coming our way. In addition to the people that have been coming over week after week. We got a uh, year three is going to be awesome. So looking forward to the new format. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we've got I've got a couple of people lined up. Uh, it was I attended a, a, sem- a webinar It was actually a documentary yesterday on adaptability. Really, really good film with uh, a lot of uh, high level people it was actually co. I don't know if it was sponsored, but uh, a couple of people from Singularity University were on it. Peter, Peter Diamandis, uh, one of our guests, Enrique. Uh, Rubio, he was yep. interviewed for it. Uh, the I'll, I'll post this up on uh, my LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I did yesterday, but I'll, I'll be doing it again because they did a preview. It'll be available through Saturday and then uh, I think through the weekend and then uh, they're taking it down until the beginning of the year. But it was all about adaptability. They did a lot of research in there. So that's another hot topic. Uh, I got uh, we have another guest uh, lined up in a couple of weeks about diversity, equity and and inclusion, uh, especially on the equity part. Uh, again, fascinating. I, I interviewed Dr. Solange Shirah. Uh, last week on the webcast for if those if you haven't seen it, uh, you can get the replay. It's up on successperformancesolutions.com. Just click on my blog uh, and you'll it's one of the more recent posts up there. Uh, but it was about uh, quantifying diversity and equity. Fascinating subject about uh, and again, we'll 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 weave that into today's conversation about uh, having a purpose driven culture uh, because you, you just can't talk about diversity and inclusion you got to do something about it and if it's not you know it's not part of your beyond mission but it's not part of your purpose not part of your culture it's not going to happen it's, and you know what i read the, the the truth of the matter is is that executives that have been running companies for decades already knew that the reality is and this is something that we talked about ad, ad nauseum with hr and that is they simply don't understand the world of value selling and they have they struggle to sell their own value. And here we are, right? Where the shift has hit people's plans. And, you know, even those who have heard us talk about this in the past, there's a lot of opportunity out here. And just because it looks messy right now, doesn't mean it'll stay messy. And the idea that HR, along with the help of smart business people, are value, are, are being able to apply a value to something like diversity, inclusion, equality, the idea that that is now rising to the surface. You know, I I forget who had said it first, but we talk about how three years of change happened in three months. This is the kind of acceleration we were hoping for. And it just seems like it's we've got a long way to go. But, you know, compared to just six months ago, I think we're making some real traction as a society. We are. 
or, or we are. Sometimes uh, you need that two by four alongside everybody's, you know, proverbial head uh, to to make to make change happen. Uh, so we, we, and again, we've had a great guest today. So we want to get to Elizabeth. Two quick things: we want to thank uh, Zor.ai and Success Performance Success Performance Solutions uh, for being our sponsors. You'll hear more uh, from them in just a few minutes. Uh, and uh, for those who aren't following us yet, we have a new Twitter account, uh, which is ggg underscore pod for pod. So it's ggg underscore pod. That's the uh, official Geek Skeezers and Googleization Twitter account. So you can follow us on there. And we got Ben helping us out, and Ben's doing a good job uh, promoting. So hopefully we can get uh, that list built up. So we've got Elizabeth Letardo today. She's a consultant researcher. She's written two books. One I mentioned earlier, Selling with Noble Purpose, How to Drive Revenue. And she had another one, uh, and do work. Well, actually, it's part of the same title, and do work that makes you proud. Uh, she is VP of Services at a Sales Leadership Consultancy, McLeod and more, and she's going to tell us about that as well. So, welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Great to be with you both. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, why don't you tell us a little bit of background, uh, how you got into this business, and um, you know how what what was the purpose that led you here? <laughs> Great question. Well, I'll try to be brief in my own backstory. I started out in the advertising industry, selling Google AdWords. And if any of you have ever seen Google AdWords, I'm sure most of you have, they're the uh, sponsored posts that appear on top of a Google search. And the interesting thing about selling Google AdWords is it's one of the most quantitative sales you can make, down to the you know one-tenth of a cent for certain keywords. And what I found in my own experience is that I went into that sales job feeling a huge sense of purpose, feeling a duty to help small businesses get seen, feeling like I could really make a difference in my client base. And over time, thanks, you know, largely in part of the culture I was working in, I felt that purpose start to erode. And with it went my own sales performance. I was less willing to make that extra call on Friday afternoon. I was less interested in doing deep discovery with my clients. And I found myself thinking, if over the course of just, you know, less than a year, I can make this journey backwards from someone who was purpose-driven to someone who is now not, there has to be another side to that. There has to be an opportunity to make people that are not feeling engaged and purpose-driven feel purpose-driven. So I went back to school. I got a master's in industrial and organizational psychology and eventually joined McLeod and Moore to do just that, to enable salespeople and all employees to better connect with the purpose of their work, to feel tied into the impact that they're having on people. And we know that when that happens, organizational performance goes through the roof. So that is the abridged version of how I landed where I am. So it's interesting. Awesome. And, and and I don't know if you had a, an opportunity, um, you know, or, or if you don't, I think this will be a conversation you, you're, you'd be very interested in. Uh, last week, I interviewed, as I said, Dr. Salon Shira. Uh, she got a company. Her company is HC Moneyball. So if that gives you any indication what it's about, she's a data <laughs> scientist with an HR background. Uh, and mm -hmm. she was looking at how um, basically uh, human capital drives economic performance. That was the core. Mm -hmm. And so right up your alley. But she took it one step further. And in, in by, by mining the data, 
she was able to identify some diversity and more importantly, some equity trends. And she said she had to train herself being, uh, you know, an economist and a data scientist that equity wasn't only about, you know, the wealth creation. It wasn't always about the value, but equity also meant being fair and just uh, throughout that. But she was able to measure that. And it was fascinating what she found, you know, the links of organizations that uh, offered people not only equal opportunity, uh, but advanced people at the same rate of pace. Uh, and again, without data, you, you don't know anything about that. But it also struck me, and that's why your topic was so relevant, was about the purpose. Uh, it, is that companies now say, oh, good, now we got the numbers. And so we, we could become a diverse and equitable organization because we can we can make sure the numbers are right. But that will never happen if there's again, if there's, if it's not a greater purpose. So when you're, when you're working with an organization and they say, we need to improve our sales or we need to boost our sales or we need to, you know, do you do leadership training? What's, what's the first thing you do? What's the first step that someone can take to help, um, transform their organization? I think the first step on that journey is a deep self-evaluation or, or an evaluation from an external company regarding how deep is your current purpose, if you have one, or your current mission, vision, whatever you want to call it, lived in the organization. Because what we see now, because purpose is such a hot topic, is this trend called purpose washing, where everyone makes these great purpose statements, they print them on the t-shirts, they have a big rallying town hall around them. And then a few months later, it's almost like it never happened. You know, those T-shirts get put in the corporate swag closet. No one brings up that language again. People vaguely remember it. Maybe it sits on the website somewhere. So I think as, as organizations move towards these purpose-driven cultures, there is a foundational step of honesty and evaluating how deeply is our current purpose lived? Are people using it in decision-making? Is it the centerpiece of customer conversation? Is it the foundation of our hiring and retention decisions? And questions like that will tell you if your purpose is a tagline or if it is actually embedded in your culture. And if you are finding that your purpose is more of a tagline, working to bring the customer to life, to connect individual employees back to that purpose, that is work you can do that is harder but more beneficial than mere wordsmithing, the creation of a statement. So I have 17,000 questions to ask you just off of that one little oh, answer there. I probably have like 4,000 answers. So. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Here's where I'm going with it. First to just, you know, let you know, I come from my software company. Now we quantify value for sales uh, teams so that they, when they go in front of a potential buyer, they can actually work together and show them exactly how much they can make or save mm -hmm. them by working together. And be, with that process, I have the dubious pleasure of looking somebody eye to eye through Zoom meeting and asking them how they prove that they have value. And not as many as you think, give me an answer. My curious question to you right from Jump Street is, how many business executives know their value? and what their purpose is as an organization out of, say, 10? That's a tough question. I think it's very industry specific. What we see is a lot of times smaller companies, companies in tech, companies in healthcare, 
are more in tune with the value that they're providing because they're closer to the founder story, they're closer to customers, and the, the nobility of their offering is more clear than, say, manufacturing or something like that. So I would definitely think that number, I'll give you the vague consultant answer, it depends. What we are seeing is, to Ira, your point earlier, an increasing amount of organizations and senior executives having these transparent conversations prompted by, you know, the concurrent health, social, and economic crises of why are we here? Why does this organization exist? What value are we bringing to the world? And I think employees are asking those questions. Customers are asking those questions. And because of that, senior executives and the leaders of these organizations have no choice but to answer. Awesome. Awesome. So then tell us, tell us a little bit more about what got you, what you started to learn and what got you thinking about writing the book? Because I know a lot of our readers are into the deep details and the deep part of the story. When did your, which by the way, your very um, impressive personal journey of getting out of something you don't like to get into something that you love. Uh, congratulations for doing that. But what, what changed along that path that made you think, Let's go write a book about it. Great question. So Selling with Noble Purpose, edition one, is actually written by the founder of our firm, Lisa McLeod of McLeod & Moore. The second edition was prompted by what we're seeing, like I said earlier in this conversation, around purpose today. Selling with Noble Purpose was originally published in 2012. And this concept of purpose was super vague then. It was left for you know the philanthropic arm of an organization, maybe a little bit with marketing and recruitment, but it had never been brought up, especially in sales. So what we saw is a lot of organizations jumping on this purpose bandwagon, making purpose statements, claiming to be purpose-driven, talking about the impact that they have on people, but that sales specifically remained an isolated silo of that larger purpose conversation. So we decided to update Selling with Noble Purpose with more concrete examples, more context as to how organizations are using this in the current environment, and quite frankly, more data. To the earlier point in the conversation, we have hard numbers now on purpose, much like we do a lot of these other, what were, were previously considered softer organizational initiatives. We can prove that engagement ties directly into your quota attainment. We can prove that customer advocacy is linked directly to how your people are talking about customers internally. So I think the, the quantifiable proof in combination with the current environment and having purpose be a bigger part of the organizational conversation led us to update this edition to make it even more practical and even more pertinent to the current environment. Congratulations. So Elizabeth, yeah, Elizabeth, how do we get beyond, as, I, as I'm listening to you and, and Keith talk, how do we get beyond the point where people say, but I'm in business, our, our business, our purpose is to make money. How do you, and again, is this a tipping point with, uh, you know, you hear a lot of it because this is the millennials or Gen Z, they're driving the, you know, they're driving that there's more than life than just the business. But how do you get companies to change that, or, or leadership, it's not companies, but the, the people in charge, to change that mindset? 
I think the first step is to look at the data. Like I said, the linkage between this higher concept of purpose and bottom line results in terms of innovation, customer advocacy, employee retention, things like that is it's indisputable at this point. There have been so many vetted academic studies about it. So if you choose to ignore those, you know, you're not starting from a place of strength, really. And I think as, as leaders try to embrace this purpose-driven conversation, it's important to recognize that money and meaning are not in conflict. They are linked. No one, or at least I'm, not saying that the P&L doesn't matter and that these metrics aren't crucially important. The suggestion and the, the suggestion that the data backs up is that purpose and your ability to cascade meaning through your organization is a leading indicator to all of those numbers. So we are not saying purpose and profit are mutually exclusive. We're suggesting the opposite. Purpose drives profitability. And your ability to win the hearts and minds of your team and your ability to train your salespeople to win the hearts and minds of your customers will get you the bottom line results that you are seeking. But no one has ever spreadsheeted their way to passion. And that's where the purpose conversation takes off. A great, great answer. Ira, um, I'm going to change lanes a little bit here, Elizabeth. And and Ira, uh, maybe a year ago, we were talking to Danielle Weinblatt, right? At the time, she was the CEO of, um, uh, it's Intello now. Intello bought them. but um, And we were talking about the dysfunction of HR really was giving an opportunity for other organizations within companies to step up and start to quantify the reason why action needs to be taking place. And here it just, it's it like, I, you know, I love that our podcast is called Geeks, Geezers and Googleization just because I honestly feel like I'm geeking out here. Sales is now <laughs> readily capable of sharing and projecting the positive contribution that organizational purpose provides. And I've always, you know, to Elizabeth's point, the timing has never been better because of all of these macro, you know, elements taking place. I just find it absolutely rewarding to think that the sales organizations inside of companies are now given the opportunity to sell with with purpose. Maybe Elizabeth, do you think that these companies are your clients and the people you meet with, are they leading with purpose as part of their sales process? Or how is it being incorporated into the overall company message? I think it's interesting, you know, you talk about the current environment and I'll, I'll go a layer up as to how the customer is experiencing the salespeople. I think that's a, a better assessment than I could ever give. In the current environment, I'm sure both of you have experienced this, intent becomes even more clear. And you can tell, I call it quota breath, when a salesperson is calling on you and they don't really care about you. They're trying to hit a number and they're so eager to go through specs with you. They want to get right to pricing you can tell that their intent is not necessarily to deeply discover more about you, your business, to see if there's a viable opportunity there. But I think the organizations that are looking these concurrent crises in the face and leading with purpose and putting a stake in the ground and saying, we are going to make an impact on our customer base, and this is how we are going to do it, are the salespeople who are showing up 
with more resilience. They are more tenacious and they are better received by customers because on a subconscious level, customers are reading their intent is to help them instead of the 55 other BDRs whose intent was to, you know, get a second meeting to get the $75 fit. And did you say quota breath? I did. I said quota breath, which which resonated more before Zoom sales calls. Uh, yeah, well, you know, well, you know what? If if you, I, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit here, you can tell when someone's got quota breath over a phone, right? So you, can. you know, it's it's real. That's so awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna liberate that one, Elizabeth. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome too. You are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We've got Elizabeth Latardo, and we've been talking about uh, having a purpose, a purpose driven business, purpose-driven culture, selling with purpose, and uh, we're going to be continuing that conversation. Uh, In the meantime, we are going to take a quick break uh, just for about two minutes. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions, Uh, and then we'll be right back and we're going to continue our conversation about the purpose-driven culture. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry, to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, here with my co-host, Keith Compagna, and our guest today is Elizabeth Latardo from McLeod and more, and we're talking about selling with noble purpose. Uh, I, Elizabeth, um, we have a couple things that come to mind. Uh, we keep talking about purpose, um, and... I know a lot of companies are working on it. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the quote unquote working on it. Uh, you know, they're having meetings about it. They're having conversations about it. But it it seems to me that the trap is that, and, and you brought this up earlier, that people will write it down. Everybody will agree on it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So what's the difference between the, or, or what's it take to go from a statement, a purpose statement, 
uh, to a purpose-driven culture? How, how do you, what, what are some of the steps that you help people with beyond the numbers? I mean, you know, kind of having the numbers may be that catalyst that gets people to believe that it's important, but how do you get people to actually make that movement? The first step of building a purpose-driven culture is to repeat your purpose a lot. You mentioned that it often gets forgotten, and unfortunately, that is the case with a lot of well-intended corporate messages. Can, can you give an example? Do you, do, you, do you have an example? Yeah. I'm sorry about it for the interruption, but I think that'll help. Is I, I know this is going to be a part that people struggle with. Sure. So, for example, we work with a bank in Atlanta called Atlantic Capital Bank. They are a commercial bank, and their purpose is we fuel prosperity. So to embed that throughout the organization means in their sales calls, those reps are tasked with uncovering what prosperity means for the specific client or prospect in front of them. Their HR team is tasked with finding talent that connects with fueling prosperity, talent that is most likely to enable fueling prosperity, no matter the role. Their operations team is connected to fueling prosperity and knows that their ability to ship things out, to deliver forms on time, to process paperwork is an effort to fuel their customers' prosperity. So connecting each component of the organization to that larger purpose is imperative, and it's done on a daily basis by the leader. I can tell you that one of their, their sales leaders, Kurt, talks about fueling prosperity at the start of every meeting and starts a story or starts a meeting with a story about one specific customer who is more prosperous as a result of the bank. So it's looking for those proof points. It's connecting individual roles and responsibilities back to the purpose of the organization and using that purpose as a lens for decision-making, no matter the capacity. Big decisions like what markets do we enter down to more day-to-day -day decisions, like which customer should I call on? So I have a the, question. Oh, go ahead, Ira. So the, the light bulb just went on, um, you know, sitting here and talking about it, is that I, I hear a lot. I mean, there's a there's a lot of conversation about storytelling, the, the importance of having a story, whether it's about a job or your business or your resume or a career or whatever it is, is having a story. So it seems to me that when people agree on that statement and they put it, you know, how, how do you how do you transform a tagline or a poster to a purpose? And it seems to be what you just said was there needs to be a story behind it. People need to embrace it, to understand it. Am, am I on the right track? Absolutely. A story about why it matters to their customers, a story about how their job plays a part in that, and a story about why to them it personally is impactful. You know, I'll give you a, a quick example. A very famous call center study by Adam Grant in 2007 examined um, students who call and ask alumni for donations at a college. You've, you've, I'm sure, gotten those calls. And you can imagine that that role is filled with plenty of rejection. And what he, he studied was the difference between a control group, students who got, you know, standard training, and a group of students who spent time with a scholarship recipient who was the benefit of alumni donations. So these alumni donations fueled the scholarship for this person that these callers are meeting with. They talk to the student about what they're majoring in, their ambitions for life, why they have a scholarship, what brought them to this university. And that second group of students, 
who spent time with the person who benefited from what they were, quote, selling, from the donations they were asking for, stayed on the phone after their training twice as long as the control group. And their average donation was compared to the control group of $185, $503. The only difference was they had spent time with someone who benefited from what they were doing. And because of that, they were selling with noble purpose. They had this higher calling and it propelled them through layers of rejection. It made them dig deeper on their discovery calls. And ultimately the numbers proved its truth. And you slap a number of you know zeros on the difference between 185 and 503. And you can see how this plays out on an organizational revenue level. So I guess your message is you, you can't hire a marketing company to create your purpose. That right? is correct. <laughs> a tagline is is not as impactful as the story your salespeople carry in their heart. And if the story is I'm just a cog in this machine, I have to you know hit this number to make sure I keep my job, they will not be as effective as salespeople who carry a story in their heart about how they are making a difference to their customers' lives and businesses. So as a salesperson, I want to chime in here and I want to challenge you a little bit, not because I want to push, but I'm curious about your answer. We all know that salespeople are a little bit quirky. They're a little bit of a special breed. One of the challenges- Speaking on behalf of all salespeople. Correct. I think you and I could represent our brothers and sisters quite well, right? Adoption is a key challenge that sales organizations, business leaders have when it comes to getting salespeople to think and act differently. I go back to some of my earlier software days. I worked for an organization called All Day Party. And there was one liner after one liner about what made us an amazing company and not a single person I worked with believed the letter in the words, in the phrases. What's the Mm -hmm. difference between what I experienced at All Day Party and what your clients are demonstrating in terms of adoption? In terms of adoption, it it does depend somewhat on the existing organizational narrative. And if the organizational narrative has been for decades, you are a cog in this machine, hit the number, you know, bottom 10% gone every quarter, it's going to take some time to shift that narrative to be be one of purpose-driven selling. But I, I think the difference in the organizations who do get that adoption are the ones that truly bake that purpose into the ecosystem of the organization. And this, this speaks to your challenge of we hear tagline after tagline, and even in sales training, people learn skill after skill, but it never sticks. We fall back into those old habits. And that's because our mindset hasn't really shifted. You know, we learn these new skills. It's easier to not do it. I forget the three-part technique. What were they saying over there? But when you shift your core belief to be one of service instead of one of, you know, asking for people's dollars, which is the the traditional sales narrative, you are more successful in building those skills because they are in alignment with your new mindset. So I think organizations are trying to fight an uphill battle as they get salespeople to, you know, embrace our new purpose. This is how we make a difference. They're up against, you know, 20 or 30 years of a talk track that said exactly the opposite. So part of the answer is time, 
part of the answer is practicing what you preach and bringing up the purpose more than at a town hall. And part of the answer is making sure that purpose is embedded in the ecosystem. If you're talking, you know, purpose out of one side of your mouth and talking about, you know, these really granular metrics and close it, close it, close it, and speaking about customers in the abstract, that creates some cognitive dissonance for a sales team and makes it easier for them to fall back into old habits. Very easily, yes, yes, indeed. So, right. Elizabeth, yeah, Elizabeth, are you work now? Are you working with larger organizations, or are most of your clients small businesses? Because I, I can imagine small business owners, uh, especially in today's day and age, uh, some of them struggling to keep their doors open, uh, may be wondering how. You know, I, you know, how, how could this is for big business stuff? This is this is for the Googles and the Apples of the world, not not for the small, privately owned mom and pop shop with ten employees. We do work with some of the larger organizations with with uh, Google, Salesforce, Fiserv, organizations like that. But I will tell you that there is great success to be found in smaller firms. And a lot of times it's even easier to shift the tide in those smaller firms just because you're not trying to turn a barge in a lot of senses. And I'll tell you a story about one of our clients who is not one of the uh, the big sexy software firms that you mentioned. They're a concrete company and they're called SupportWorks. So if you've ever had your basement flood or the walls of your house start to cave in oh, at yeah. the bottom, they're the people who fix that. Yeah, it started to happen two weeks ago while I was doing a webcast live. There was water coming up to my door in the basement. It always happens. <laughs> oh no! Time. Yeah, when I did the when I interviewed John Sinai, uh, Jerry had knocked on the door and I opened it up and she was panicking and I looked out and there was water coming up into my office. So, hey. so yeah. you know the crisis moment. That oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you are not in you know this really collaborative great headspace when you call someone because water is pouring into your basement. But what this company did, and again. They are a rough and tough company. They do hard work. They are located in Omaha, Nebraska, but they decided that they had a noble purpose and it is to redefine the way people experience contractors. I'm not sure what your experience was. Mine is much like you know the rest of the world where you call a contractor, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it goes over budget, you know, sometimes it gets pushed out several weeks. Your bid's not always accurate. It's a, an industry that has a terrible reputation. And this company decided that they were going to redefine what that meant. And what their journey entailed was telling stories, much like I told you earlier, about how their product makes a difference, about a family with new twins whose basement flooded on week three. They were sleep deprived. They were worried about mold. And this team enabled them to start a happy family on a foundation that was secure. So I, I think for small businesses, you are closer connected to those stories than typical corporate giants are, and the opportunity to share them widely, to tap into the meaning of your work and scale that belief is so much greater because you can do it so much faster. So one, that is so rewarding to hear because the truth of the matter is that people don't buy because of what you sell. They buy because of what they can do with what you sell. And, you know, in that example, it makes sense because the experience in previous experiences is so uh, there's so much improvement in it. It's great to hear that that mindset shifted and was able to, you know, make the, the that sales organization more effective. 
But I go back and I think about how, you know, us sales reps have been telling, should have been telling stories for a while now, right? There's books upon book. Mm -hmm. There are books written about the books that were written about storytelling at this point. Do you think that there was a shift in, like, did you notice, have you noticed a shift, a tangible shift in the last few months that people are now paying attention to it? Or do you think that it was just there the whole time and, and now everyone is talking about it? I think the last few months have brought a huge level of clarity to some human truths that we already knew. Stories are much more interesting than spec sheets. But what's happened in the last several months is that our level of humanity as people try to juggle working from home, as people try to juggle you know, their life responsibilities on top of changing industries, the humanity element has bound us together in a way that's much more authentic and because of that, I think salespeople are more willing to tell stories and customers are certainly more willing to hear them because as a collective workforce, we have become over the last several months, much more human. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. yeah and I see it too. I see a lot of activity. Oh, I, and you know, Ira, it's funny. We've actually, I think we've done a good job of not dropping this word out here yet, but it kind of sounds a lot like the empathy movement, right? Where mm -hmm. even sales leaders and small businesses that are looking for ways to help and serve their client base uh, from the beginning with their messaging, they're actually stopping and thinking, you know what? I, 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 I might feel better if I took time and everyone has time, more time than they were used to a few months ago. And people started to reconnect with families. And in the sales world, Elizabeth, I don't know if you uh, caught wind of this stuff. I'm almost willing to bet you did. But there was this giant push to, quote unquote, sell with empathy. And mm -hmm. there, it, was a, it was a good debate topic because I wondered how many buyers out there actually believed that out of nowhere – they're all the sales reps in the world that are calling on them have pure empathy for them in their scenario now that we're all in this pandemic. And what I'm hearing you say, and please add to it if you think so, what I'm hearing you say is that the actual number crunching, grinding away sales leaders where, you know, there's something to be said for if the number's not there, you're not there kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. They're coming to realize that that's not the, the best way to grow a company? It's, I, I don't want to create a false dichotomy between performance and purpose. If you are truly purpose-driven and you seek to make an impact on your customers, you hold yourself to a high standard and you set targets to make sure you're, you're actually achieving your purpose. So I definitely think even in the current environment, there's something to be said for holding people responsible for delivering impact for their customers. Where I think things have started to go sideways, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, empathy is not important in a sales process, because it certainly is. I think people in the quest to be more empathetic lost sight of how they could make an impact. And it's easy to sit with a customer and empathize with them and, you know, express your, your sincerest, I guess, feelings about their business and express empathy around what they're going through. But it's on you to translate that into how you can actually make an 
a difference to them, how you can impact them. No one wants to have these poor, poor, pitiful me conversations anymore. We have all collectively done that for months. Your quest as a purpose-driven seller, as opposed to just an empathetic seller, is to take that current state and transform it, to think about how you can help this business, to think about the challenges, the environment, the opportunities they're facing in the context of your own capabilities and forge that connection. So I, I think some of the empathy training turned more into sympathy training. And we had a lot of poor, poor, pitiful me conversations. And the unfortunate bit is for both the salesperson and the customer is that that wasn't necessarily translated into action. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun to have those kind of sales conversations for both people, the buyer and the seller. And uh, it's unfortunate. Speaking of fun, Ira, uh, time's up, right? Yeah, it's, we're we're getting close there. Yeah, as as you got as you two salespeople were talking, I was I was thinking about is, is empathy selling with empathy. Uh, I, you know, for, it certainly works. And, and again, being more human and humanizing the process and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the problem is, is people have their BS meters up. <laughs> And, and some yep. people did it just as a tool. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I took a course and I passed it. Now I'm good at empathy. No. Right. <laughs> you know, I checked the box on empathy. Yeah, that, that's not what it's about. So people have their BS meter up. Uh, as, as we have so many times with so many guests, uh, we're, we're just scratch. We get to this point, Keith, 45 minutes into it, and we're scratching the surface. And it's like, oh, now we got all these questions. We want to go on. So, uh, Elizabeth, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, so how could people get a hold of you? And then, you know, we certainly would love to have you back and uh, follow up this conversation because it's certainly going to be one that continues. So how can people reach you? Absolutely. Well, I'm sure the three of us could, uh, to use your term, geek out over this for many more hours, as are, I'm sure, many of your listeners. If you want to learn more about me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Elizabeth Letardo. You can also visit our website, sellingwithnoblepurpose.com or leadingwithnoblepurpose.com to learn more about the work we do with organizations and embedding this purpose-driven culture. And I assume your books are available up on uh, your website as well as Amazon. Is that correct? Correct. Amazon, Audible, Kindle, Google Noble Purpose on whatever platform you use and you will find us. Good. And just for those uh, looking for the name, it's L-O-T-A-R-D-O. -O. So Elizabeth Letardo. Excellent. Um, certainly you'll have a lot of people in touch. I know we will be in, in touch with you. Communication. Hopefully we can get you back one of these days when we're, we're on TV live and, uh, and, and be able to, to see who you are as well as that. Uh, tough, tough to do empathy and have some of these conversations, you know, uh, just verbally, but uh, it'll be exciting. So I wish, wish you luck. Uh, certainly uh, right time, right place and uh, certainly needed there. So thanks very much, Elizabeth. Any final words you got? Thanks, Ira and Keith for having me. Uh, our pleasure. And again, I want to just say congratulations. I think that you have a noble cause. And I think there's plenty of opportunity out there for businesses to, to pardon the pun, buy in to noble per selling with noble purpose. It's uh, it's legit, it's real, and I think the timing has never been better. So congratulations and thanks again. Thanks, both. So Keith, um, another another great episode. Um, we're gonna put that one in the history books. Uh, another. Another chapter done, and uh, we're getting get ready to kind of rewrite the uh, geek skeezers yeah. and Googleization. And uh, 
you know, there'll be a whole new experience for us talking about adaptability, changing, um, and, you know, everything else. So uh, next week, hopefully, uh, if, you, if you're if you a listener, hopefully you'll continue to jo- join us on W4CY.com. If you um, prefer to see who we are and uh, watch us on YouTube or uh, live streaming, uh, you'll be able to see us on Talk 4 TV. Yes, indeed. And by the way, just a quick reminder, over at the ROI shop, me and Mike Farber are going to be putting together SalesCast. 10-minute video interviews. We're getting down and dirty with salespeople, talking about being salespeople, selling, and we might even curse. So there's so much going on, Ira. It feels like since the moment you and I met, you and I were, uh, were, were side by side on rocket ships. And it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime soon. Not at all. VUCA, baby. VUCA. Breathe it in, people. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So a couple things. Again, we want to thank Zor.ai for being our sponsor. Success Performance Solutions for being our sponsor. Uh, We are looking for a few new sponsors. And if you want to get some visibility on TV, we're going to be able to actually have real life commercials. Uh, now, uh, happy to do that. Uh, please uh, give Keith or myself a call uh, and make sure you go up to the new Twitter account, uh, GGG underscore POD for a podcast, GGG underscore podcast. Uh, we're building our follower list there. And uh, please go up to uh, if however you want to listen to the podcast. Uh, Apple, please subscribe up there. Leave a review. We got a couple of reviews this week. We're growing that list. Uh, but you can also get us on Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, SoundCloud, uh, you name it. We're we're probably on most almost all the popular uh, podcasts. So we want to thank everybody again for listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. And uh, don't forget, if you're not part of Googleization Nation, you are part of it by listening. But if you want to become an official member, uh, you can go to googleizationnation.com. It's free. You'll get updates about this and live streams and webcasts. And uh, uh, with the new show, the new TV show coming up, uh, we're hopefully going to be able to run a few uh, live contests there as well. Uh, you can also order my book uh, at uh, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, the second edition, at join.googleizationnation.com. Until next week, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Campagna on the Geek Squeezers and Googleization show. Don't let this shift hit your plans. <laughs>